your Bibles and turn with me, please, to Zechariah chapter 8. Zechariah chapter 8, we will look at that text of Scripture, then we will go on from there to the book of Ezekiel. And it'll be Ezekiel 36. Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 23. And if you're able to stand, we'd invite you to do that as we honor God's word. If you're not able to stand up today, then just stand up on the inside. Verse 23. Zechariah chapter 8, New International Version. Are you ready? This is what the Lord Almighty says in those days. Ten people from all languages and nations will take firm hold of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. Because we have heard that what? God is with you. Now take your Bibles and go to Ezekiel, there in Old Testament, Ezekiel, find chapter 36, and go down to verse 26. If you're all there, say amen. Amen. I will give you a new heart, and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Go to Ezekiel 37 now. And go down to verse 14. It'll be our final verse for the main text that we're using on this beautiful Holy Ghost Wednesday night. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. Everybody say live. Live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you have done already in the service, what you're going to do even now. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come by your power, come and write upon the tablets of our heart. As we look at this text, as I preach your word, I pray, come, oh God, and mark us, move us, change us. Come, have your will, have your way. Let the gifts of the Spirit operate freely. Do what you want to do in this house. May we never be the same because you came, because you are among us. Oh God, come and pour out your Spirit upon us in the name of Jesus. If you have the freedom to pray in your heavenly language, go ahead. Jesus, and we give you praise and glory, honor, majesty, dominion, and power belong to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We do have notes for you. We've been doing a series. I don't know what to call it, so uh, I just call it Holy Spirit. <laughs> I started to do a series on the gifts and uh, I felt God just sort of morphing and changing some things and so... Um, pretty broad topic, pneumatology. 
the Holy Spirit. There's large volumes. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and its work in salvation. The Holy Spirit and its gifts. The fruit of the Spirit. On and on and on and on and on. So I'm not sure the direction of all that the Lord will lead us, but I know that he told me to emphasize his Spirit. And that's been basically what we do on Wednesdays anyway. And so we've been preaching along those lines. We talked about not grieving the Holy Spirit. We talked about what the genuine Holy Spirit is. What does that look like? Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, uh, disingenuous, there's a lot of fake, there's a lot of false manifestations of the Spirit. And you need to be wise and discerning and know that there is a real manifestation of the Spirit too. And so as I prayed, uh, juggling a couple of different messages, this really came to light, came to bear for me, and I have no doubt that it's going to touch and impact your life. The passage that we looked at and that we read, uh, especially Zechariah 8, verse 23, as we read it, it reminded me that I didn't emphasize something the Spirit wanted me to emphasize in Romans 15, so I'll do it now because it's also in this text. It says in that day that, that people will take hold of a Jew and say, well, I want to go with you because God's with you. In Romans 15, what I felt highlighted by the Spirit was to understand as a Christian, and most people here are Gentiles, there are some completed Jews, uh, those that are Jewish that then converted and received Jesus as their Messiah and become Christians now. But most of us are Gentiles. And uh, when you look at that text, you have to realize whether you're Jew or Gentile, you owe a debt of love and a financial debt to Jews because of the word of God and because of who they are. Without them, we wouldn't have God's word. So you want to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You want to give towards towards God's people there and watch God's blessing. I will tell you that because America, I don't, I don't care, I don't really watch too much news, but I know that we did move our, 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 um, our embassy to Jerusalem, and I will tell you there's a special blessing on behalf of the Lord for us, I believe, because of that. There's people that have done studies with how America's come against Israel and how all kinds of tragedy breaks out. I mean, it's remarkable. You can go date for date all around that. Well, with the blessing that, uh, that our government is now doing towards Jerusalem and honoring them and moving the, and honoring Jerusalem as the main place there for Israel, I'll just tell you, it's, it's a good thing. Come on, somebody say it's a good thing. I remember the meeting I was in 20 years ago when I heard this text, Zechariah 8. I was sitting next to my mother. I was pretty new in church. And I thought, what an interesting scripture. That God's power, presence, favor, anointing would be on a Jew, would be on a person in such a way that people would be like, please, please take me wherever you're going because I, I got to have whatever you have. And I realized that as I heard that, I thought, man, that's amazing. And the preacher in that day said, said, God wants to do that with your life. God wants to put his power on you. God wants to put his presence on you. God wants to put his favor on you. God wants to come upon you with such unction that your people at work, your next door neighbor says, what have you got? What are you doing? I can't take it anymore. You're always smiling. I saw how you went through that tragedy. You just got chiclets all across. What is going on with you? I got to find out. And they say, well, I just love Jesus. And the actual fact, evangelism is happening here because of God's presence and power. I believe that God is among us. This is actually happening. 
I got the internet in 1998. Could have been 99. 1998. That's when I first got my first email. It was with Juno. Does anybody remember that? Some of you remember AOL. Okay. So I got a Juno account, and I remembered the discussions that my wife and I, we had vigorous discussions before we came to agreement. Some of you haven't figured that out yet. I didn't just go get it. We came to agreement, then I got it, because we had no agreement before that. Because, you know, the Antichrist and people taking your information. and I mean, you know, there was a, there was a lot of uh, debate about the Internet, or whether it was good, whether it was bad, and so on and so forth. But here's what got me. Revival was taking place in Brownsville. And they were streaming the revival meetings in 1998, 1999. And I found out about that. And I thought, I want to go to those meetings. And I couldn't go for a number of reasons. Actually, I didn't have faith to go. That was the problem. My mom packed everything and left. Amen. She's like, I'm going, got to go. And she went, moved to Florida, went to Brownsville and lived there. She went and lived there under the spout. With Like sometimes you got to get off your carcass and change some stuff. Amen. So she went and moved there. We thought it was crazy until I started getting touched by God through my internet in 1998. And I heard a testimony about God's presence and power that I just, in fact, the testimonies I heard in that time, I, I know all of them. They're, 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 they're burned in my heart. They're so powerful. Here's a favorite one. I don't think I've shared it for a long time. Two grandmas hear about the power of God being poured out in Brownsville, that God was among them, that God's power and presence was there. People were driving from all over. The Haggertys went. People drove from everywhere all over to go to this Brownsville revival. Happened in 1995 in the same year that God poured out His Spirit in an amazing way. And our church also, 95, was a good day, a good year. On Father's Day in 1995. And, and so people were driving all over there. These two precious grandmas went there to go worship God. There were two intercessors that prayed for revival for America. They showed up in the parking lot. And I'm told, not only from this testimony, but others, that God's power and presence was so strong that you didn't even have to go inside the church, actually. If you drove to into the parking lot, you would get smashed by the power and the fire of God if, you're, if your heart was open to it. And so these two grandmas drove, and they couldn't find any parking. Finally, they found parking. They put the car in park, and they were sitting there shaking in their car. And they wanted so desperately to go save. It's like this here. What is it like inside? What is it like inside? And they're frozen, shaking. And the one grandma says, do something. And the other grandma says, I can't move. And so they sat there for a good 10 or 15 minutes, and she said, Mildred, I don't think that was her name, but I do remember the testimony. Mildred, I, I know what to do. She's sitting in the driver's seat, and she just went, oh, God. Uh, and she just leaned her forehead and mashed the horn. And while the horn, the horn is constantly going off, can you imagine if the horn is going off right now? Uh, right? Security comes out. And they'd look at these two ladies shaking with the one lady's head mashed to the horn. And they open the door and they say, man, what's going on? She said, we knew if we just beeped the horn, you'd come and carry us inside. <laughs> they carried them inside. They got radically touched and changed. Their life and their families were forever different. I'm telling you, God is among us. God is with us. He can touch you. He can change you. He can fill you. There's nothing God can't do. Wow. Imagine.
imagine, could God do that here? Could God do that in your life? Can you imagine if God's fire and power and anointing was so strong on you that people would stop you in Fred Meyer? There's, I think I might have had moments of that. Amen. Walking into Fred Myers, there's a man I'd been witnessing to, a, a man in the community, well-known. And I walked in and hadn't seen him in a while. And I was just, you know, I came out of worship out of my truck. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I was just like, you know, stepped out of my truck. And oh, oh, the cloud, fire by night, the cloud by day. And I walked in. Oh. Walking, does anybody know what I'm talking about? I walk in, walk into Fred Myers, and as soon as I walk past the cameras by the vegetables right there, and th this guy sees me, he says, What's with you? I said, What? He says, You're always like overjoyed. He says, What's going on? I said, Man, God has blessed me. I love Jesus, man. That's what's going on. He's like, Okay. I said, Man, you, you, you got to come to church. You, you got to come. He says, Maybe I will. I need some of what you have. That's what this is talking about. Let's look at this, the dwelling place of God. Now, in the Old Testament, let me, let me, let me teach you, and, and, uh, and maybe I'll end up preaching to you. I don't know all the places this is going to go. But in the Old Testament, the Old Testament, there was the tabernacle. The Old Testament is where there's two focal points where God's presence would, would dwell. Two focal points in the Old Testament. One's the tabernacle. Everybody say it. The tabernacle. Now, we, we pass out notes, and if you're a note taker, you help fill those in. You can do them on the app. You can fill them in right there as you go preach it to somebody else. This is how I was discipled, and I just decided to stay with the same pattern for now. It might change. So uh, go ahead and use those. We go through uh, effort to put them together for you. The what? The, the tabernacle is one of the focal points. Now, the tabernacle is a pattern. It was the, the pattern or the blueprint. You can say it that way. We've got plans for our buildings. How many think that's good? You don't want to do, build, build something without a plan. There's plans for the tabernacle. And when it was given to Moses, where? It was given to him by God. It's a pattern came from heaven. And he was supposed to build it very specific. And you can go and read and study on that. And all of them have tremendous, uh, tremendous types and shadows, even in the New Testament. The Old Testament is types and shadows of the greater things to come. So when you read through the Old Testament, look for New Testament application and pattern and shadows and so on and so forth. So the tabernacle is one place. God would come. It was in the midst of his people, and God would come and dwell there. God would talk to Moses like a man, and, and, and Joshua, uh, Joshua was there, and eventually uh, Moses would leave and the cloud would stay. I love that text of Scripture. The second focal point was the temple. Now that's after the tabernacle. David brings the ark back to Jerusalem and he wants to build a, 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 a tabernacle for the, or a temple I should say, for, for the ark and for God's presence. But the Lord wouldn't let him do it because there's too much blood on his hands. But he could pay for it. And I love that. I think it's in Chronicles. He says, who am I, God, that I should be able to give all of this because you gave it to me and now I can give it. Wow, who are we? Oh God, you're awesome. So David paid for it, but Solomon built it. And the building of Solomon's temple was rather amazing. At the dedication of the temple, and that's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. You can go there if you want to, 2 Chronicles 5. In 2 Chronicles 5, the dedication of the temple, you see the, 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 the priests are overcome. 
They're overcome in such a way that they could not do their priestly duties anymore. What does that mean? That means they're not standing. That means they're not talking. That means they're not doing priestly stuff. Priestly stuff. Second Chronicles, turn there if you would. Second Chronicles chapter 5. Oh, let's go from, from verse 2. And Solomon summoned to Jerusalem the elders in Israel and all the heads of the tribes of the chief Israelite families to bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Zion, the city of David. And all the Israelites came together to the king at that time of the festival in the seventh month. When all the elders of Israel had arrived, the Levites took up the ark and they brought up the ark into the tent of meeting and all the sacred furnishings in it. The Levitical priests carried them up and the king and King Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel that they gathered about him were before the ark sacrificing so many, how many? So many sheep and cattle that they could not be recorded or counted. The priests then brought the ark of the Lord's covenant to its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the place of the ark and covered the ark and its carrying poles. These poles were so long that the ends extended from the ark and could be seen from the front of the inner sanctuary, but not from the outside of the holy place. And they're still there today. There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets that Moses had placed in it at Horeb where the Lord made the covenant with the Israelites after they came out of Egypt. Verse 11, you all there? Pay attention, hold on. The priests then withdrew from the holy place and all the priests who were there consecrated themselves regardless of the divisions. Verse 12, all the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Haman, Jejathon, and their sons, and the relatives stood on the east side of the altar dressed in fine linen playing cymbals, harps, and lairs. And they were accompanied by 120 priests, uh, 120 priests sounding trumpets. How many trumpets? 120. Do you think that's a coincidence? No, it's not a coincidence. It's a type and a shadow of what? Of the upper room. Verse 13, the trumpeters and the musicians joined in unison in what? In unison, when they were all gathered together in one accord, unison, they gave praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. And the singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, oh, let's all do this together. He is good. His love endures forever. Come on, say it like you mean it. He is good and his love endures forever. Then, 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 after that, after that, then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Now, the dwelling place of God in the Old Testament is in the tabernacle, but also here in the temple. And if God's presence dwelt in the temple made by human hands, I just want to say, how much more will he come to live inside of your heart and my heart and fulfillment of this and I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself but these are the the two places in the old testament where god dwelt did god's presence dwell in the tabernacle yes did god's presence dwell in the temple yes and we read in john chapter one in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was god in the beginning 
Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Verse 4. In him was a life and that life was a light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Go down to verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son of God came from the Father full of grace and full of truth. In Colossians, in chapter 1, it says, verse 15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven, things in earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in the heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Verse 21, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, because of your sin. Verse 22, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation. Oh, come on, somebody say hallelujah. Come on, give him praise in the house of God. So the New, Testament, the New Testament understanding of the dwelling place of God is, of course, first in Christ, but then after you receive him as your Lord and Savior, repent of your sin, he comes and takes in residence. He comes and takes up residence in your heart. So when Jesus left, he said, it'd be better for me to go. I mean, that's hard to understand. How could it be better? Because if I go, then I can send my spirit. I don't really fully understand that. God the Father, fully God the Father. God the Son, fully God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Whole nother message that I could preach to you now, but it's a three-in-one God. They're all, they're all God. The, the Spirit of God comes, and He takes up dwelling on the inside of you. Listen, this is the greatest revelation you could have in the New Testament. You are His house. Come on, if God's on the inside of you, how many of you know you can probably make it then? Come on, if the, he who spun off universes and nothing is impossible for him, if he lives on the inside of you, then with God, nothing is impossible. It's a logical conclusion, and Jesus certainly shared it. If we look at Ezekiel 36 now, woo! Ezekiel 36. This is 600 years before Jesus. It's similar to Jeremiah 38. This prophetic word is that he would give a new heart. Wow. And it would be because of a new spirit in you. And the Apostle Paul picks up this text and he uses it to, to, to speak truth to us now in this age. And it says in 2 Corinthians 3.3, you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, not written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So the Holy Spirit, Paul is seeing clearly as, as the fulfillment of that text in Ezekiel 37, 14, I will put my spirit in you and you will 
live. Can I tell you something? Whatever life you're having, if it's without the Spirit, it's not living. I've come that you might have life and life to the full. Until you get Jesus, the power of his Holy Spirit, the truth of his word, then whatever life you're having, it's not the full thing that he really wants you to have. So the Christian is the temple of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament now, the fulfillment of the old. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3, do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? Also in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your bodies. When you receive Jesus, His Spirit comes and take up residence on the inside of you. And that means that your body is no longer your own. Listen, this is just a little tidbit for somebody. The greatest way I know to overcome persecution and wrongdoing and being treated incorrectly and even mistreated and abused is to see yourself as that which belongs to God. And if you'll allow for the Lord to vindicate you, oh, he'll fix that wagon. Oh, yes, he will. He will. If you'll just learn to let God fight your battles, it's not that you don't expose evil. Of course you do. But there's times when you just need to shut your mouth and let God take care of it. Furthermore, that which I think you're putting in your mouth is that which you should do to take care of yourself. I mean, this is a scripture I don't think you should smoke. I mean, you could just take this and blow it all the way out. He says, smoke and take you to hell, pastor. I said, no, I don't know. Maybe. It'd certainly make you smell like you've been there. No, we are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Come on, come on, lay hands on yourself and say, God's Spirit lives on the inside of me. It's not just for the Christian, not just for, for us, but also the church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and 16. For we are the temple of the living God, as God said, I will live with them. I will walk among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Old Testament, Old Testament scripture that you can look up, Leviticus 26 and 12 for you note-takers. Jeremiah 32, 38. Ezekiel 37, 27. Literally, when we gather together like this, listen, you, you got to get this. When we gather together like this, the, we are the naios of God, literally the dwelling place of God by His Spirit. God, God is here. No, really, theologically, you, under, you need to understand, like, God is here. Some of you are like, well, where is He? Oh, He's, he's among us. He's, what he's invisible. Well, when you see footprints in the sand and you know somebody went walking by, why he might be invisible at times, his, his, the, the proof of his existence is all around. You can feel the wind, but you can see it. Right? All right, how to experience God's presence? I'm so glad you asked. How to experience God's presence? Because we, we can experience God's presence, and for those of you like, well, I, I experienced his presence, wonderful. I challenge you to go deeper. No man has reached up to receive all that God has to offer. He gives his spirit to us. And there's, listen, there's no toxic levels of the Holy Spirit. The first thing, how to experience God's presence, is be holy. The, name, the third part of the Trinity is not the defiled spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Holy means totally other than. Holy means pure, just, righteous, holy. Holy. 
the Holy Spirit. If you want to experience more of His Spirit, you're going to have to get rid of that spirit you have. You know, that grumbling, murmuring, complaining, bitter, angry, unforgiving spirit you got? You, don't shout me down when I'm preaching it. Come on. You got to get rid of that. You want more of God's spirit. You're going to have to get rid of that. What kind of spirit? You're going to have to get rid of it. Amen. Yeah, and he helps us too. He cleans us. Wow. Personally, we can experience his power and his presence. You know, I've had to do a lot of rebuking lately. Uh, you know, it's really not my favorite thing. Um, but I enjoy the fruit that comes from it. Now, when I'm not like out to go and rebuke people, but right is right, wrong is wrong, and you who are spiritual should restore such a one in love. You need to do it in love. I got rebuked up one side and down the other yesterday in love. It was wonderful. Amen. I ate it. Praise the Lord. Had some humble pie. In fact, I had three or four, but I think I had the whole pie. The whole thing. I just ate the whole thing. Just so glad it was no sugar in it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> One of the reasons you need to confront people, and listen, some of you like came out of the womb confronting, so I'm not so much talking about you. <laughs> Actually, that's, that's not even the, 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 the spirit of it. You, you, you have strife, and you're constantly trying to make people wrong, and you just want to be the spiritual police or pointing the finger at whoever to try to correct somebody to hide your own nastiness. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about loving people enough to tell them when they have salad in their teeth. Loving them enough to tell you, you've got lipstick in your teeth, you've got stuff going on. Listen, the way you're doing raising that kid, you're going to have a prison ministry. You know, the, 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 listen, if you don't start tithing, you, it's going to mess your life up. Right. You know, you, you continually jump from church to church to church and you never develop any relationships, then you're just going to be like, it's like a holy freeloader. Yeah. Wow. And it's not holy either. You've got to develop covenant relationships where people yeah. love you enough to hurt your feelings right. and in the Lord. Is anybody else glad for having their feelings hurt? My mama has hurt my feelings probably more than anybody, and I wouldn't even be breathing if it wasn't for her. Standing in my house at different seasons like an Old Testament prophet, the Lord says, serve him or die. You know, I'm not sure what she said, but, but I felt it, you know. Loved me enough to say, you better, stop that. I don't know if you've ever seen a kid that's not trained. There, I've seen kids almost get killed. Because the parent doesn't teach the, the, the child to obey. And so the kid's constantly running out into the parking lot, nearly getting run over by trucks, buses. I've seen all kinds of stuff. And they're like, oh, he's such a rascal. He's a rascal. You need to give him some understanding on his hind seat. What are you talking about? Your no doesn't mean anything until you say it 15 times. Your eyes are popping out of your head and you're blowing blood vessels in your neck. Then he knows that he should obey. God ain't even like that. He just tells you, don't do that. And you're like, oh, really? And then you do it, and it's like, Psh! I told you. <laughs> Those whom the Lord loves, he chastises. Well, there's excesses and abuses. Please understand, I'm not talking about that. But if you don't train your kids, then they're not going to live a life of holiness. And the, one of the reasons that we correct each other and, and help each other is because we want more. I want more of God's spirit. I'm so glad. I'm so glad for the loving correction of, 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 of folks and especially the Holy Spirit. The Lord speaks to me and says, you shouldn't have done that. You're out of order right there. You need to, you need to zip your mouth. You need to repent. You need to do this. You need to help them. You need to turn the other cheek. And when you want to give the fivefold and say that it's the righteousness of God being released, righteous judgment through your fist. No, it isn't. As a church, you know, we gather together in times like this. Listen, there's opportunities to repent. Amen. 
Thank God for a church that preaches the word where there's opportunities to repent. I had a man, I had a man stop me. He said, why? Why would we want that? Because we want more of God's presence. We want more of God's power. We want more. We want God to come and make his dwelling here in a greater and a greater way. And it's not a sloppy agape. It's a Holy Spirit. That's why everybody on my platform, you, they sign contracts, basically. They're, they're, they're agreements. Right. I'm a tither. I'm going to live righteously. I'm going to do my best to bring unity to the team. Yes. Amen. Yeah, why do we do that? Because if you're not a tither and you're all filled with strife, you're not going to be on my worship team. Why? Because I can't have that. Right. Oh, you might be here tonight in the sanctuary. Praise God. So I can preach and turn all blue in the face and hopefully the fire of God touches your heart and you repent. Listen, he's what you're looking for anyway. Yeah, right, right. And what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So I, I, was, I was greeting people outside as I do on, you know, Sunday mornings. I'm in the, in the, in the lobby. Wait till you see our new lobby. Oh, our new lobby is like amazing. Okay, anyway, I was in our, this is like a closet. This would be like one of the closets at the new church building right there. The lobby is like the closet. The bathroom, we could have service in the bathroom. Praise God. <laughs> Bathrooms instead of our bathroom. Would you please forgive us for our lack of facilities? You know, we're doing the best we can. We stretch those things. You'd be like, I had to wait. Well, you know, take care of it before you come. Praise the Lord. And then it's going to be a little bit easier, all right? So uh, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So I'm out, I'm out in, the, in the lobby, and I'm greeting people, shaking people. And this man comes to me, and he shakes my hand. He says, I'm not ever coming back to this church again. I said, okay. He says, I'm offended. I said, I'm so sorry. And I, I thought he was totally serious. And he was. He says, I'm offended. I said, okay. Uh, did something happen? I thought, I'm, I'm thinking about, did I, did, I, did I step on some theological toe? Or, you know, what happened? And uh, was it the tongues? Uh, what, what was it? And so he said, no, I'm offended. I said, well, I'm so sorry. What happened? He says, I got really convicted in church today. I said, well, that's, that's good. He says, yeah, it's good, but it's been a long time, and I, I'm coming back. It feels good. Thank you for frying me. I got fried alive today. Why? Listen, we're not into making, don't it, when you start feeling convicted, don't let it turn into condemnation. When the Lord puts his finger on something, you run to him and repent. 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 Repent! Repent! I mean, that's why we're here, because we want more of God's power. We want God to dwell among us. And I'll just tell you, one of the reasons you might be in a place where there's no power, no presence, because there's no holiness. There's no purity. There's strife. There's no confrontation. Let me tell you, sir, ma'am, brothers and sisters, Bubba in the back. If you don't confront stuff, then you'll have the devil running your business. You'll have the devil in your family. You'll have the devil in your church. You'll have your devil in your ministry. You've got to lovingly confront things. All right. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm being encouraged tonight. Praise the Lord. How to experience God's presence. Be holy. The second thing, the second thing is to get involved in worship. Amen. To get involved in worship. Right. And um, Hannah, are you okay to play? You want Minister Micah to come? 
Would you? To get involved in worship. Now, I, I, I've been in lots of church services. I've been saved for a number of de- couple decades now, a little over that. I've been in places where there's incredible explosive worship, and I've been in places where it's a concert. In other words, people up front are singing, and the, and the congregation's looking for them, like, like this is a lovely concert I came to. And then when it's over, the worship team gets down, and then somebody comes up to do another act of preaching the word or whatever. I, I've been that. It's the most grievous experience of my life. I can't stand my, all of my worship leaders, all of my teams know that I cannot stand performance-orientated worship. I'm allergic to it. I just, I don't like it. Don't, I, can't, I don't like look at me. We're not up here to try to be posers or try to look all cute for you to look at us, to give us hand claps. I don't care. I didn't come for the hand clap of men. I, did, I didn't come for the robe. I didn't come for the ring. I came for, for the accolades of heaven and to do a job to, to bring his kingdom. And, it does, and you know, there's times where that's not so friendly for some folks. And if you're offended right now, well, you probably need to be. You want God's power and presence in your life, but you keep looking at all that porn and keep doing all the stuff you're doing and wonder why your prayer life has got nothing, no fire, no power. You ain't seeing, oh, God doesn't answer my prayers. Why don't you get out of that stupid chat room you're in or whatever you're doing that's defiling yourself? Why don't you break off some of that, some of those relationships that are ungodly? You know, that girl or that guy that you're flirting with that's almost adultery. Why don't you break that? Why don't you stop that? Why don't you repent? Why don't you come to the Lord? Why don't you get the word out? And get involved in worship. Get involved in worship. Now, I don't know why. I think maybe it's a generational blessing for me. On my mom's side of the family, there are worship leaders and and all kinds of people back there. and, And I think it's a generational blessing. I love music. I love worship. When I was a kid, uh, Mom, you might not know this, but, but Dad, when he closed his office after 51 years of the law practice, he sent me all the personal files. You know how Dad had everything for all the kids and all that? So he sent me all my report cards from kindergarten. So I, I read these, and year after year, on my kindergarten and, and first grade, second grade, it says things like, you know, it talked about the learning challenges I have, which was really something to read, because God's delivered me from everyone. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, no, some people still think I still have it. Actually, I have a special gifting. It's just different than theirs. Okay, so, yes. So I'm reading this, and all of these reports, all of these reports say, Danny, Danny continues to sing. Danny won't stop singing. That's what it says, these little comments on the bottom of all my report cards. Danny won't stop singing. And, 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 and you know, I grew up in the, in the 70s, born in 66, grew up in the 70s. Like the 70s songs... I like no all of them. Stop in the name. That's what some of you need to do. It's a word from the Lord for you. You need to stop in the name of love and serve God and get involved in worship. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Before you break his heart, think it over. That might be 60s, actually. Worship is the number one way that I break through and break out into God's presence for me. Worship and prayer, which really go together. I think that worship is the highest form of prayer in my heart and mind. I will have sung my way into the, into the power of God. And what marked and changed my life, there's been many. But it was a time when I was in 1995, I was at, I was at a, a, Bible ships, a Bible study discipleship center, mandated. And I, I was in the back of the church, 
and worship started and what happened is the atmosphere changed and the entire congregation which was probably about 1500 people maybe more began to lift their voice began to sing and worship wasn't even anybody on the on the platform and this sound came up before the Lord and it was it was the sound of multitudes singing and worshiping and honor God and then I began to hear I can't really talk too much about it, but I'm going to try. I began to hear angels singing. Well, I didn't just hear angels singing. I heard the voice of a multitude of, of song and strings and harps and, and horns and, and drums and voices of innumerable before the throne, worshiping and glorifying God Almighty, just like it is in the book of Revelation. And I wept wept and wept and it marked me it did something to me it's a it's it's an experience that I long to have and I will when I go to be with him when my time is over and it's experience I long to have in a congregation most people don't experience that because they have their arms folded and their lips shut when it's time for worship worship is not about some pretty people or people up here performing something for you worship is loving and worshiping him because he's in our midst the Old Testament, using the Old Testament worship temple as a guide, you can look through how they worship God, clapping, shouting. I don't know where you get scripture that you shouldn't use instruments. That is like a special sort of different. But it certainly wasn't a concert. God's, God's praise. You say, well, I don't feel like it. What? You don't feel like it? Since when are you the center of all things? Listen, we worship him not because we feel like it, because he's worthy, that's why. Because he's worthy, we worship him. So you want to experience more of God's presence, be holy, live holy. Live holy, examine your life, ask him to, to correct you, rebuke you, submit to, to leadership, grow in the things of God. Get the junk out. You cut off those relationships from hell. I mean, how are you supposed to have a close, closer walk with thee if you're walking with the devil's sister, for God's sake? or his brother. Just a closer walk with Jesus. Granted, Jesus. It's like a psychotic walk. Make up your mind. Some, some New Testament insights. Hebrews 13, 15. I, I, I don't think I just stomped on that quite enough, so let me just say it one more time. Worship's not dependent upon how you feel. Just because you, come on, some of you might not have felt like I wanted to go to the church tonight, but you got yourself, come on, you said, flesh, get moving, I'm going, God's gonna move tonight, I'm gonna get fed tonight, I ain't staying home to defile myself on a blasted TV. I'm gonna go to church and love God. Come on. I'm going to go to church and maybe I'll hear something. And you put your flesh down. You said, I'm tired, but I'm going to go get refreshed in the Lord. It's not dependent upon whether you feel like worshiping. You worship because he's worthy. That's why it's called many times a sacrifice of praise. We bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring a sacrifice of praise into the house 
of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And we offer up to you the sacrifices of praise, joy, praise, joy, praise, same thing. Amen. You won't feel like it sometimes. That's the perfect opportunity to put your put a cap in your flesh and start worshiping him because he died on a cross and he rose again. You don't have to feel like it. Sometimes you don't feel like going to work, but you know if you don't get your butt to work, you ain't going to have no paycheck, Slick. You, some of you don't have a paycheck in the Holy Ghost because you're just all distracted and ain't giving. Come on, we're almost done. Hebrews 13, 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess His name. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine or smoke dope. Which, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking one to another in one another in psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. When is the last time you've done that? Or does there have to be a, a song on the screen? The whole purpose of our worship team is to get you to worship. That's why we have it to, to usher the worship leaders. Hence, leading you into worship. I'm going to tell you something. If you get all up into the cloud, you get all into that holy smoke, you wouldn't be smoking that other stuff. I'm just saying. Well, it's medicinal. Okay, I, I think there might be some, you know, well, maybe not. No, I, I, I think I, I've, I've grown a little bit to understand that there are some things, I think, I'm not a doctor, but it makes sense, you know, that there are some byproducts that can help reduce pressure and pain and stuff like that. But for God's sake, you don't need to have a bong next to your bed and roll out of bed and roll up a fat one and then, you know, oh, I pressure on my eyes. You know, the sad thing is I've heard many a story about people proclaiming why they have to have it, but they've never experienced the power of God or even positioned themselves in a way where maybe God could heal them. And I, 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 I grieved years ago as we filled that county council, that, that city hall down there, and, 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 and testimony after testimony after we were done testifying for two hours, then they testified for a little bit, and and, and it was so sad to hear I've got PTSD and I can't sleep unless I smoke pot. I thought, oh my gosh, can I talk to you after? Because we have all kinds of PTSD. People have been totally set free. Sort of a funny story. We had a, we had a, we had a gentleman that got, he came to announce the Antichrist, which was his stepfather. <laughs> How many of you know the Antichrist is not his stepfather? But in his mind, in his mind it was. <laughs> and um, he got very aggressive. And what ended up happening is one of our guys that had come back from one of the Knights of the Sand, one of our military guys that had gotten out of, gotten out of military, had been through tremendous trauma, um, all kinds of death. And he had PTSD, you know. So, I mean, any kind of, you know, live shots and things like that, it just, it just would just freak him out. And he'd go into a place where he's not even really aware of what he's doing. So 
this young man manifesting a devil would have normally triggered our, our wonderful vet, our beloved brother. And I remember when the whole situation was over and it was dismantled and, 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 it, and it was done, he says to me with tears, he said, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. I'm totally healed, Pastor. I said, healed what? What do you mean? He says, oh, you don't understand. I'd have killed him. You'd have to pulled me off. He'd have been just lying there and he would have been beaten to death. And you'd have pulled me off and said, calm down. I said, really? He says, oh yeah, I'm done with PTSD. I got set free. He said, you'd have pulled me off. I wouldn't even have known what was happening. And to this day, he's healed and it didn't have anything to do with pot. To talk to him, he's a proponent of getting rid of it. This scripture here says that we need to get rid of those things and learn to speak psalms and hymns one to another, making melody in your heart to the Lord. When's the last, when is the last time that you were overcome with his power and his presence in your room, in your bed, in your house, in your car? When's the last time that was? Well, some of you that got a, a taste of it, you know, you go like, oh, that's every day wonderful that's the way it should be why because he dwells on the inside of you if he dwells on the inside of you he, he lives in your home too doesn't he first Corinthians 14 15 so what shall I do I will pray with my spirit but I'll also pray with my understanding I will sing with my spirit but I'll also sing with my understanding that experience of worshiping Him with all your heart, with a bunch of other brothers and sisters that worship with all their heart. Not like, when's it going to be done? Because we're going to go over to Smashburger, and then after that, then we watch the rest of that movie, and then I've got to get up early. And No, no, no I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about loving God in such a way where you just, the, the unison, the one accord, you lift your voice. It's only happened a handful of times here. here. I, I've, I've tried to get you there. Some people just fold their hands and insist on playing Candy Crush. What in God's name is wrong with you? <laughs> Put your Candy Crush up. You should see all the phones going away right now. Okay. We're talking about how to experience more of God's presence. Get involved in worship. What was the first thing? Be holy. What's the second thing? Be... Get involved in true worship. What's the third thing? And I'm almost done. Oh, well, we're talking about praying. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit. That's talking about praying in tongues. But I'll also pray with my understanding. So that's like if I was just speaking to you in tongues right now, you wouldn't understand what I'm talking about, true worship and holiness. I mean, unless there was an interpretation, you understand. I will pray with my spirit, but also with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but also with my understanding. Jude, verse 20, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. See, as you pray in your heavenly language, God wants to give you a heavenly language. And when you pray in your heavenly language, it's God's spirit ontologically operating as one with your spirit praying through you. Do you understand that? 
your spirit is not God's spirit. God's spirit is not your spirit. But when you agree and yield to him, economically you operate as one and God's Holy Spirit prays through you the perfect will of God. He said, do you know what that is? I want it. I don't always know what it is. So praying in the Spirit is crucial. And somebody said, well, we should never pray in tongues in church. That's a bunch of hogwash and poor theology and really not understanding the, the context of that text. All things should be decently in, in order. Absolutely right. So if we had one person stand up on this side and start giving a message in tongues and simultaneously somebody stands up on this side and starts giving a message in tongues, I will stop one of them. Why? Because we can't discern, way or interpret what one is saying over the other becomes a, because it becomes a wash. But when you're praying in your heavenly language, that doesn't need to be interpreted. That's your prayer language. There's prayer language and then there's prophecy, which is tongues and interpretation. There's praying with a known language. I'm speaking to you in English right now. Then there's, then there's praying in English. Lord, thank you. Bless and touch your people. Come and, come and wreck us tonight. May we never be the same. That's English. But if I was to pray in my heavenly language, it's not going to sound like that. It's going to be different. And furthermore, out loud. Prayers out loud. Come on, someone say prayers out loud. Well, that's not what I was taught. Well, that's, you were taught by somebody who maybe didn't know. No, really. Biblically, Old Testament, New Testament prayers out loud. Jesus said, I love this scripture because it just simply destroys it. Jesus said, when you pray... Go into your closet and shut the door. So when your father hears what you're praying in secret, he'll reward you openly, yes. right? Amen. Why do you need to shut the door? <laughs> right, so nobody can hear you. Now, when I'm on fire, you can shut the door or not. You're going to hear me no matter where I am. <laughs> but, but why would you have to shut the door if it's meditative? There is meditative prayer. There is. There is a meditation of the heart. Absolutely is powerful, life-changing, yes. But prayer is frequently and corporately, corporately, it's always out loud. And you can go to Jerusalem today. We're going to be taking a trip in February. I invite all of you. Not sure of the cost of that yet. Going to go to Israel and Greece and London. A tour of the Holy Land, and it's just going to be amazing. I'm hoping to take 30 people. So I'm sowing a seed right now. It's next February. You want to hear more about that? We'll let you know as soon as we get all the details are just about done. You go to Israel today and you will see Jews at the wailing wall. Wailing wall. It's not the quiet wall. It's the wailing wall. Why would a wailing wall be called a wailing wall? Because they're wailing. Because it's out loud. So I went there and man, you think Pentecostals are, are something. I mean, I, I get to rock in a little bit. I'm gonna, I, I have this one. I've got a couple different things I do. I do this. You know, you can call it whatever you want. You go, you went to the wailing wall. My wife is, you know, separate women on one side, men on the other. I went to the wailing wall and I got amongst these. I videoed it, but it's too sacred to show anybody. So I never posted it, but I, I just wanted to look at it again. Like, I'm gonna go look at it tonight. Because I, I got in there and, you know, we had a yarmulke on and, uh, there was a whole group of, of Jews just rocking back and forth and Hasidic Jews with these long like pieces of hair and I don't understand that going around their ear, you know, and they 
happening. They're just praying back and forth and looking at the scriptures and stuff. So I thought, wow, that's like, that's like holy. That's like Pentecostal, man. I'm getting in there. And so I got right in amongst them. And I was just like, thank you, Jesus. Amen. The guy's looking at me. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Ah, and I just started praying in tongues. They don't know where I'm from. I'm just going to pray in my prayer language. Actually, I'm giving a message. The Lord is coming upon us with power. And you are not to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And the outpouring of the Spirit is going to become the normal thing, and secular humanism is going to be pushed out. For I'm going to mark you with my power. I'm going to mark you with my Spirit. And there will be many that come to the Lord because they see the joy, they see the victory, and they will take you by the hem of your garment and say, please tell me, Show me, where have you gotten this joy? Where have you gotten this authority? How is it that God is with you? Please, take me. I need to, I need to conclude. James 5 and verse 16, Therefore confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Some of you got stuff you need to confess. You don't need a priest. You have Jesus, your high priest. But you need to confess to a brother or a sister, a godly one that's not going to backstab you or gossip you in the name of a prayer group. And I've seen that. It makes me want to get sick. It doesn't happen here that much that I'm aware of. I hope it doesn't ever happen. It's a sacred thing. You make sure when you share sacred things, you share them with trusted leadership. Got to have discernment. But it's talking about how to experience more of God's presence and power. You got to have prayer. You got to get prayer. You gotta be prayer. You getting anything from the Lord? Come on, lift your hands all across this place. Come on, just lift your hands to Jesus. Oh, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Majesty, dominion, power, it all belongs to you. Hallelujah. Lord, we're gonna get involved in worship. We want your presence. We're going to be a people of prayer. Oh, Romans 8 and 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, verse 27. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Holy Spirit wants to pray through you. Learn to give. Some of you aren't tithers and you're convicted. You try to come up with a theological argument against it, but it won't work. And you're convicted. And so you don't tithe and you don't give, but you want God's power. Well, he, he, I think He'll empower you and help you, but it's His kindness that's leading you to repentance. You really want to go deep. you got to obey the Word. Learn to be a giver. There's an, giving's an act of worship. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. A lot of scripture tonight. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. The grace of giving. That's 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Put it up because some of you think I'm lying. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. 
You're like, there's only nine gifts. No, there's like 21. There's like 20, 21. I have to go count them again, but there's far more than nine. You can read Romans. You can read in different places. Here, talking about the grace of giving. It's a gift. The gift of giving. Come on, you want that. Let me go to number four. Preach the word. Man, it's only 837. I can just stomp on this just a little bit more. Turn to Colossians chapter 2. This scripture has so impacted me. And then just recently I was giving a prophetic word, word of encouragement to somebody, and it just came right out in the spirit. How many of you know what that's like? Colossians chapter 2. Watch this. I'm talking about having power, having power on the inside so that you can touch and change your world. I'm talking about having the experience of God's presence and power in our services, in our life groups, in our teams, our ministries, in our cars, in our, in our, our, our bathrooms, our, our kitchens made into cathedrals. I'm talking about having God's presence on your life. There's no substitute for it. You're not supposed to live a life of white knuckling and hoping that, oh, Jesus comes and saves you. Oh, rescue me, Jesus. You're supposed to bring the kingdom of God. You're supposed to be standing on his word, blood-washed host, commanding darkness to be pushed back. Colossians 2 and verse 8, please. See to it that no one takes you captive. You know what that is, right? Another version says, beware that no one spoils you. Has anybody smelled spoiled meat before? Years ago, we had a church van. It's since been retired, praise the Lord. Many years ago, I've learned about food preparation more since then. We had a large roast beef that was frozen. And I don't know how many pounds it was, but it was, a, it was big. Oh yeah, it was in a box and it was expensive. And we were cooking it for uh, uh, one of our ministries. And we had gotten a little bit behind the eight ball. So I thought, let's, it was in Hawaii and it was very hot out. And I thought, well, let's just put that thing in the van. We just put it in the van. It'll like microwave it kind of, just warm it up real good. I went down and went to pick that up. Man, there was blood all over the floor. What van was that? Van 35. How could she remember? Because it would make you hurl every time after that because the blood, oh, the blood went down around the, you know, through the floor mats into the metal. There was no getting the stink out of that van. I'm just so grateful it was already hanging on by a thread. We had had that van a long time. It was already like 15 plus years old and, and uh, we used it for construction projects with the windows open after that. Spoil. Beware. Beware that no one spoils you through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Philosophy, here's a definition of philosophy. The way I see it is, there are people that are all, that are, they're, they're self-proclaimed philosophers. And you know, philosophy can be wonderful in everything except the fact if it gets off the beam of truth. The Word of God is truth. And if you begin to develop a philosophy absent or void of truth, 
you will end up spoiled. You will end up captive. You will end up in serious trouble. And that's one of the problems I have with counseling. If counseling is not Holy Ghost filled biblical counseling, it can be very dangerous. Can be. Everybody say it can be. Can be very dangerous. And in a lot of churches, people are teaching and preaching philosophy. Come on, somebody say, don't do it. And I'm not against counselors. I am against philosophy that would be absent and void of God's truth. Which depends on human tradition and not on the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on, and, rather than on Christ. Gosh, I don't like that version. Can you give me the New King James? And, and we're almost done. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy. Ah, here we go. The way I see it. Beware that someone cheats you through their, their philosophy or the way they see your problem, your life, how to, how to prosper, how to break through, how to, how to get your kids back, how to heal your marriage. Beware that they give you some kind of strategy that the, here's what I think you should do. Who gives a flip what somebody thinks you should do? You should do God's word. You should do Christ. You should do the anointing. So beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, through empty deceit. According to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. The, I'm going to tell you, death and resurrection is the power you need in your family, in your finances, in your home, in your business. You need resurrection power on the inside. You need Christ to dwell in you richly. You don't need some philosophy. God is among us. Come on, stand up on your feet. Lift your hands to the Lord. God's among us. Come on, just begin to worship Him and thank Him right out loud. Yeah! 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 Come on, sing in the Spirit. Come on, worship Him all across this place. Holy Spirit, we want You to manifest. We long for You. We yearn for You. Holy Ghost! Holy Spirit! Holy Spirit, come! Let your fire come! Let your power come! Lord, mark us! Let the finger of God come right now and right upon our hearts. We need you, Lord. We need you. Come on, lift your voice. Come on! Come on!
you to come. Hunger and thirst will press you past everything. If you've never been filled with the Spirit, come all the way up to the front. Pastors, ministers, would you come? Reverends, would you come, please? There's a number of you who are here and you've been experienced liking some blockage. It's just like you're not as on fire as you used to be and you're like, man, I just need another touch. I need another touch. I just need, I need, I, I miss going deep in God. I don't know what it is. But you're committed to go deeper in the things of the Spirit. You want His prayer, you want His presence, you want His power in your life. Just come. Some of you here, you need to repent. You know, flat out you do. You've got a mixture of philosophy and tradition. Not really walking with the Lord. I mean, you believe in God, but you've gotten away from that vibrant heart, a vibrancy of heart. You know, when you used to yearn and hunger to go read your Bible, you couldn't wait to go pray. You'd wake up in the morning and just be like, oh God, I love you. And that's, that slipped away into the land of Candy Crush and Facebook maybe or some pollution. Come on, begin to pray for these right now. You just go ahead, team. 
Go ahead, pray. You need a touch of God, come. You need a miracle, come. Come on, come right now. You need healing in your body. a number of people that are in this position here, perhaps online as well. There are structures that can hinder you from moving forward in God. And the Lord will reveal to you things that you need to change. Sometimes it's in your own home, habits that you have. Other times, it, it can be a, literally a, a change of job or shifting things around. With every new season, with every new season, the Lord's got to release to us a new identity of who we are. You can't go into a new season with the old you. Man, I, I can't see too good, but I mean, I see great, just the lights are in my eyes. Is that the dream team over there, the dream center? 
I want to pray for every one of you crazy people right here. I want to pray for you. Come. Unless you don't want it. You don't want prayer. That's cool too. I understand. Come stand right here. Go all the way across the front. Glory to God. Just come. Lift your hands to the Lord. All of them. Can you do one line? Or we got like... Who's in charge? You're in charge. Wow. We should pray for you first. No, I'm, I'm teasing. Just one line all the way across the front. And if you could let go of that guy's shoulder, just you and Jesus. You can spread out a little bit. I'm doing a new thing, the Lord says. I'm doing a new thing. And I'm pouring out my spirit upon a generation. Even though there's even been a gathering of, of centers here in Wasilla, here in the state of Alaska, because the need is great. But didn't I gather, says the Lord, didn't I gather those to David that had incredible debt, challenges, and difficulty and made David, in fact, it says of David that they were gathered even like the army of God. And the Lord's power and presence is coming down in this center, in this, upon this team. And I saw God's hand begin to extend. And I saw restoration, saw healing. You must let the very finger of God write upon the tablets of your heart who you are. You are not the old God. You're made new. You've been crafted in. You've been adopted. Let your fire come. I break that thing. I declare freedom, grace, power, anointing. And I'm causing my word to begin to dwell like a fire in your bones. And you will preach and you will pray and you will prophesy and you will see wonders even through your own hands, says God. Come on, lift your voice. Yes! Yes! Come on, all across this place, sing to the Lord's Spirit. That's our prayer in the valley, God. Break our walls down. Online, let the Lord touch you. Holy Spirit, release healing in Seattle. Release healing over Samuel right now. Multiplication of his blood cells. Healing in the marrow of his bones. Healing, 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 healing. You will preach. You will teach. You will pastor. You will fulfill the call of God, Samuel. It is happening. I'm raising you up. Ah, come on. 
Every head bowed, every eye closed. I never want to close a service without giving an opportunity for people to receive Jesus. For Jesus to come and make his home, to come and to dwell on the inside of you. If you're here and you're not right with God, you need to be reconciled to him. It's called repentance, to ask him to forgive you, to ask him to come in, to be your Lord, to be your Savior, to believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. If we believe in our heart, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. God sent his one and only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. There is a place of perishing without him and there is a place of life and life to the full with him. If that's you, you need to receive Jesus. You want to receive him for the first time or you want to make a recommitment to him all across this place, those online, those on YouTube, Facebook. You need to recommit because you drifted and you know you got to come home. You got compromise. You got a mixture going on. To start walking with Him in purity, holiness, and seeking Him all across this place. If that's you, just pray this prayer right out loud. Nobody walking around. Nobody moving. Nobody doing anything else. But listen to this right here. Pray right out loud with me. Say, "Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Your Son Jesus to die on a cross for me." and to rise again from the grave. I ask you to forgive me, to wash me, to cleanse me, and to make me new. Come and make your home inside my heart. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you, Holy Spirit like fresh rain fall upon each of these. Break every bondage. Break every chain. Break every curse and generational iniquity. Release your power upon each and every one. We thank you. just a moment longer. Pray in the Spirit. Sing in the Spirit. Come on, just lift up that heavenly language. Come on, a little bit louder, congregation. Come on, people of God. Let the Holy Spirit pray through you just a moment longer in the service and we're done tonight. Almost hear it. Come on, press in a little louder, a little stronger. Come on, a little louder. Come on, 60 seconds. Let them feel you, let them pray through you, sing through you. Open your mouth and let him fill it. There's a time to study to show yourself approved. This is not that time. Like a dry sponge, just receive.
Father, thank you for what you've done tonight. Let us be a people that carry your presence. Not coming in late to worship, understanding what worship is, coming early and preparing. For this is the dwelling place of God. Not only our own hearts, but us corporately. Let the power and the presence of God fill this place, fill our hearts, Lord. May it even be like it was in 95 of people get frozen in their cars and we have to help them in. Lord, let a, let a bomb of your glory come down, Lord, in Wasilla in the state of Alaska. Let a glory bomb come, the glory of God to come to permeate our state, to permeate our nation. God, you are the answer for all of America's woes. And we ask you to sweep from sea to shining sea every mountain, every valley, every mega church and every church down every gravel road. Pour out your spirit God and let your presence shine like never before. Let the cloud of the glory of God overtake pastors and pulpits. Let the presence of God like a column of fire come upon worship leaders and congregations. Lord from the White House to every house, pour out your spirit God in this hour of history. Lord, and we thank you and we pray even now for the peace of Jerusalem and a protection over Israel for the glory of God. And we thank you and we give you praise. Now bless your people, cause your face to shine upon us, lift up your countenance towards us, be gracious to us, keep us, and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen.